Well, today we celebrate 190 years of gospel ministry as a church. And in these 190 years, our Lord Jesus Christ has been faithful to this church every single day. Every day. And church, because this is a glorious day, let's praise our Heavenly Father again for 190 years of ministry. And as I think about this morning, I've met many of you. Many of you are guests. You're here. We're honored that you're here. Met many members today, being able to shake hands and love one another and even say I love you to people. But Mr. Goodlett, who's over to my right here, and there may be somebody here longer than that, but he joined First Baptist Church in 1941. He's been a member of this church for 80 years. 80 years. And um, that's great. And because of COVID, they've not been able to be here, but they're here today. And anyone longer than 80 years here? Any members here longer than 80? 80 years? That, that's amazing. Can you imagine 80 years being a member of the church? Well, as I think about today, I think about 190 years, but what I want to do in this message for a few moments is challenge us to think about not necessarily another 190 years, but the next 10 years. Because when we come to the year... Uh, when we come to 200, we're going to celebrate again. But what's God going to do in our church over the next 10 years as we serve him together? So I want to invite your attention. Colossians chapter 4, I believe as we continue in this series growing up that the Lord has given us insight that if we're going to make the most of the next 10 years of this church, this must be paramount of who we are and what we do as a congregation. So I want to invite you to stand again in honor of the reading of God's Word, Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. Paul, again, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says this, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Now, Father, use your word today. Thank you for the celebration, a glorious day, and the glory goes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. It's always fun to be around people. I've done it myself when you're talking on a cell phone, and you don't have a good signal, so you say to the person, can you hear me now? And, and you know, if that doesn't work, what do you do? Well, you raise your voice. Can you hear me now? And we think some way if we raise our voice, they're going to be able to hear us better. And we'll even do that in other countries. We're in a place where maybe they don't speak English and we don't speak their language. So we say something to people and they don't have a clue what we're saying. What do we do in those situations? We just raise our voice and speak louder, thinking the louder we get, they're going to understand English or we're going to understand their language. But can you hear me now? The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to a group of believers in Colossae, and he wants them to hear him. Can you hear me now? Let me ask you this morning, does prayer make a difference? Uh, we would all say yes. There was a politician, not a preacher, who said one time, prayer is what will save America. It's a major statement. There were two secular media outlets who discussed the effectiveness of prayer. They both came to this conclusion, prayer does not make any difference. But as you and I think about prayer, what does the Bible say about prayer? But also I want to ask you this. The 190-year history of our church, what does the 190-year history of this church say about prayer as well? It says prayer makes a difference. 
And as you and I think about talking to God and having a conversation with Him, the question oftentimes comes up, does God answer all prayers? And we would say, yes, He does. We typically say, He says yes, He says no, or He may say wait. I read a book on prayer one time where the author said this, God answers prayers in four ways. He says yes, He says no, He says wait, and then sometimes He says, you've got to be kidding <laughs> that, that you would ask me for that. But we know this, that God answers all prayers. Does prayer make a difference? Yes. I remember my first mission trip overseas was to Santiago, Chile. I'd never been out of the country, had no, no idea what to expect. And so I was partnering actually with the Tennessee Baptist Convention, living in Kentucky, serving in Kentucky at the time. And so we find ourselves in this hotel conference room in Santiago, Chile, and we're there talking about the mission trip and the week and all that was going to unfold. And as I was seated there among these other leaders and we were having conversations back and forth, it was like the Holy Spirit moved me in that room to say to these other leaders who were going to be on this mission journey with us, to say, I believe if we would get on our knees, our faces tonight before God, he would do something that would be beyond anything we could ask, think, or imagine. And you say, well, I, I didn't have much experience. I didn't know much. If, if you categorize me in those times and classify who, who was I, here's what I would say. At that period of my life, ignorance on fire. That would be how I would say. Ignorance on fire. And I still remember that night in that hotel conference room, every leader in that room, we slipped out of our chairs, we got on our knees, and we cried out to Almighty God for him to move in great ways. Did that prayer make any difference? Uh, let me just say, many, many years later, God moved in that room that night. God moved in our lives that night. And God moved on that mission trip, and it changed literally the direction of my life and the direction of my ministry from that night moving forward. Does prayer make a difference? Absolutely it does. And I want to say this, over the next 10 years, if you and I as a church are going to experience the bounty of God, the favor of God, and the grace of God, and the movement of God. We need to be individuals who are committed to believe, but also to practice prayer, seeking the face of Jesus. It would change our lives. It would change this church, change our city. He'll use us to literally bring change to the world when we pray. So I want to invite your attention to your outline just for a moment. We're going to go through this fairly quick today. But, but I want to encourage you to think about these statements from Colossians 4. What is Paul saying about prayer? Number one, understand why prayer matters. Uh, I want to give you a little warning here in the beginning. Uh, we bought a new iron some time ago, and uh, I, I don't mind iron. I like to iron. Any clothes that I wear, I'm going to iron them myself because I like to do that. Strange, I know, but I like to do that. And so when we got the box, there was a warning on the box, and it says, do not iron your clothes while wearing them. And I thought, someone somewhere did that. And it didn't go well, and probably a lawsuit happened as a result of that. But do not iron your clothes while wearing them. I want to give you this warning. When you and I pray the way God wants us to, the enemy does not like that, and he is going to come against us with every weapon he has. That's his goal for us when we pray. But does prayer make a difference? Does the 190-year history of our church say that prayer makes a difference? Absolutely it does. We know this, that Jesus Christ is a praying man. 
He's the Son of God and Savior of the world. But when you study his life in the Gospels, what do you see? He was constantly praying. He prayed early in the mornings. He prayed all night. He prayed before major leadership decisions. He prayed when he was tempted. He prayed when he was on the cross. He prayed when, even now when he is in heaven because he's making intercession for you and me. Jesus practiced prayer. The life of the Apostle Paul, one of God's choice servants, saved on the road to Damascus, called of God to preach and to plant churches and to be a minister and to write much of the New Testament. When you look at his life, he was a praying man as well. Here's what I mean by that. As you know, in 2 Corinthians, he prayed that God would take the thorn in his side away, prayed three times. The answer was no. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Book of Acts. Paul again with some believers and leaders from the church in Ephesus. And what are they doing? The Bible says they're on their knees seeking the face of Jesus together. And here we are in Colossians 4, writing to a group of believers in a place called Colossae. What does he ask them to do? Would you pray for us? He was a man who believed in seeking the face of God in life. And let me say again, church, if we're going to experience God's favor and best over the next 10 years... And if the best days for First Baptist Church are yet to come, we must be willing to pray together and seek the face of God together if we're going to see him move that way. Now you say, well, if we pray, what is, how's prayer going to make a difference? I want to give you these six words. I'm not going to give a lot of commentary on each of them, but I just want you to know these. When we pray as a church, you pray as an individual, and we seek the Lord, here's what he will do. First word is deepens. What do I mean? It deepens our relationship with him. I've met with many church leaders over the years, and here's how they talk about their church. And they say, we are a church, we are an inch deep and a mile wide. That's not a compliment. He wants us to be deep with him. And so as we pray together as a church and seek him, what does he do? He deepens our relationship and our walk with him. Second word is the word changes. He changes us. As you and I pray and have a conversation with him, God changes us. And here's what I mean. He changes our perspective. No longer do we see the church and say the church is about me. We see the church and say the church is about Jesus and about his great commission. Changes us when we pray together as a church. Third word, fills. Fills us. You and I cannot do the Christian life on our own. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you understand the New Testament, that is a continuous action. So it's something that needs to happen in your life routinely. And so as you and I spend time in God's Word, as we pray together, and even as individuals who pray, He fills us with the Holy Spirit so that we can carry out His mission and purpose for us as a church. Next word, decreases. The word decreases, you know my life verse, he must increase, I must decrease. Not simply talking about that in this, but when you and I pray together, what does he do? Worry goes out the window. Stress, pressures go out the window. Why? We trust him. God's in control. We're following his leadership. We're having a conversation. We're living by faith, not by sight. What happened? It decreases the stress and the pressures of life. Number five, equips. It equips you and me to do what? Do what God asks us to do. We don't want to do it out of the flesh. We want to do it out of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so as you and I pray as a congregation, when we understand why prayer matters, it equips us to do what God's asked us to do. And then number six is the word positions. It puts us in a position to bear spiritual fruit when we pray. Isn't that exciting for us? In John 15, you are to bear fruit, and then you're to bear much fruit. 
He puts us in a position to do that. And when I say spiritual fruit, here's what I mean. Don't you and I as a church want to see more people saved? As a church, don't you and I want to see the next 77th person, the 100th person, the 101 person follow Jesus Christ and believers' baptism? Don't we want to see individuals who know Christ growing in their relationship with him? And as we think about that, don't we want to see our church generous? Folks, when I saw you come today bringing a generous sacrificial offering, it was a holy ground moment for me. Don't we want to be generous? And then don't we want to be united? We're not divided. We're not at odds with each other. We can disagree about some things and still agree. But as you and I pray, it puts us in a position that we can be united and bear spiritual fruit. And then I would say, when you and I pray and seek him, it puts us in a position that we as a church need to be on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ. Our city needs us to do that. And so why does prayer matter? You just understand that. Those six words, I could give you many more, but prayer makes a difference. Look at number two, learn how to pray. As you and I think about praying, here's what the Bible is going to talk about. I want to invite your attention just for a moment back to Luke chapter 11. As you and I pray, what are we doing? We're doing business with God, but also understand we're doing battle with the enemy. And so as you and I pray, we're having a conversation with God, but you can expect spiritual warfare to be alive and well because the enemy is going to come against us. But as we pray, God moves. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. That's overwhelming right there. Just to be able to see and to hear the Lord Jesus Christ praying is a moving thing, moving thought. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He didn't ask, Lord, teach us about prayer. He said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us how to pray like you pray. I find it interesting in God's Word, too. They could have asked him for anything. They did not say, Lord, teach us how to preach. Lord, teach us how to sing. Lord, teach us how to take, take up offerings. Teach us how to grow connect groups. Lord, teach us how to build church buildings. Teach us how to administer the Lord's Supper. Lord, teach us to pray. And in your walk with him as a church, as we come before the Lord and just said, Lord, we need you to teach us how to pray. Because he says, my house will be called a house of prayer. Let me give you two insights. Number one is perseverance. If you and I are going to pray God's way, we're going to have to persevere. We've got to hang in there. We've got to stay the course. Again, he says in Luke 11, 1, teach us how to pray. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. The Bible, again, here's the church gathered together. What are they doing? It says when in verse 14, it says the church were together in one accord. All these in one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says they were devoted, and they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. They were serious about praying together. Back to Luke again, Luke chapter 18, verse 1. What does he give them insight here about this passage to these believers and followers? And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart, never to give up. If you and I are going to be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to see all that he wants over the next 10 years for us as a church, we need to persevere in prayer. What did Paul say to the believers at Colossae? Continue steadfastly in prayer. I mean, you don't give up. You, you persevere. You stay the course. You hang in there. And as you and I think about the world in which we live and even our own lives, we love instant results, instant gratification. 
And then what happens when we pray for something and we don't see the answer right then? What do we do? Maybe we believe God's not interested. Maybe we believe a sin in our lives. Or maybe we're asking for something outside the will of God. But somewhere when you and I pray as a church, we must persevere. We must stay the course. And so I've been praying about some things literally for years. And we've never seen them really come to fulfillment as we've desired. But that doesn't mean we stop praying. We persevere, continue steadfastly in prayer. So when there's going to be seasons where the Christian life is dry, there are going to be times where we're, we don't even know what to say when we pray, and there are going to be times where we're questioning God, is prayer making a difference? Stay the course, persevere. God is on the move. Look at the second one, alertness. He says to these believers, one, you continue steadfastly in prayer. And then he says, be watchful in it with thanksgiving. When you say alert, you've got to realize the enemy does not want you having a conversation with God. He's going to do everything he can to hinder your prayers. Same for us as a church. And what hinders the prayers of God's people? That's why we need to be watchful. Well, sin will do that. Laziness will do that. Conflict will do that. Just not knowing how to pray will do that. There are so many things that will limit our conversation with God, and that's why we need to persevere. We need to be alert. We need to be watchful. That's what he's teaching them. So let me give you these four insights here just about how to help you in your prayer life. These are things that I practice in my own life and my own walk with him. I encourage you as we pray as a church, but also as you pray as an individual, these things matter. Number one, find a, find a time. I just encourage you in your relationship with him, make sure in your day you give Jesus the best time of your day. Don't give him the leftovers. Don't give him what you don't really need. Give Jesus, your Savior, your Lord, your best friend, give him the best time of your day. Find a time. For me, it's early in the morning, way before daylight, when I will give the Lord the best time of my day. Second, choose a place. Find a place in your home, your apartment, where you live, that where you and God spend time together. And here's what happens. When you see that place, you walk by that place, it is a sacred place for you. Why? You know this is where you listen to God, but also where you pour your heart out to Him. Choose, select a place where you and God spend time together. Next, follow a plan. When you get alone with God in your life and your walk with Him, and you're desiring his best for your life as a child, student, teenager, whatever it may be. When, when you're desiring him, and then even as adults, or we come together as a church, what is our plan? Always confess any sins to him. As the Holy Spirit brings sins to your mind, confess those, agree with him, and confess those, and turn from those. Find yourself in worship to him, whether it's with music or just singing to him, whatever it may be. Just adore him and honor him in your time with him. Thank him for his goodness in your life. Count your many blessings. We have so much the Lord has given you. I mean, just thank him in your life. And then find yourself praying for other people, praying for our church. God, you've been faithful for 190 years. God, we want the next 10 years to be the best this church has ever experienced ever in life. Find yourself praying for Kirkwood and for the Hispanic ministry and the Korean ministry, praying for one another, just calling out them to God. Have a plan. And then Lex, develop a goal. What is the goal? And the goal is to say, Lord Jesus, I want to be more intimate with you in the days ahead than I ever have been in my Christian life. 
I want to be intimate with you. I want to hear your voice. I want to follow you. I want to be surrendered. I want to be obedient to you. I want to be all in to what you want to do in my life, but what you want to do in our church. Just learn how to pray. Number three, pray for a specific request. As you and I think about praying, sometimes we're too general. We need to be much more specific as we're praying. And here's what Paul is going to say. I want to give you these things. Number one, who do we pray for? Pray for one another. He says in this passage, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving at the same time. Here's what Paul, an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, saved on the road to Damascus, one of the greatest servants in Christian history. What is he asking God's people at Colossae to do? He says, pray also for us. When's the last time you asked someone to pray for you? Church, we need you praying for us. I had the joy of standing in the aisle before the service started today, praying with a brother in Christ about a situation. Pray also for us. Paul, great servant, needed God's people praying for him. Pray for one another. I want to ask you this very personally in your life. Paul is saying, don't just pray for others out there. Pray for us, talking about him and others who are serving with him. Let me ask you this. Whom are you praying for by name in your Christian walk? God, and you call out a name, he or she needs Jesus to be saved. He or she needs to follow Jesus in believer's baptism. He or she needs to grow in his or her relationship with Christ. He or she is living away from Christ and away from the church. And God, I'm just asking you to bring him or her back to you and the fellowship of your people. God, I know someone that's suffering physically. And they're not even sure, God, you care. And I just pray you would reveal yourself to that person in powerful, life-changing ways. Let me ask you, whom are you praying for by name? Then I want to ask you, how are you praying for our church? Again, if we're going to seize God's future in the next 10 years, we need to be praying for the Lord's bride, his church. Pray for one another. Second, open doors. He says to the believers at Colossae, you pray also for us. Why? That God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. I love that about the Apostle Paul. He's in prison. This is a prison epistle. He's not at a beach resort. He's not somewhere anywhere like that. He's in prison. Why is he in prison? He's not a criminal. He's not a bad guy. He's faithful to Jesus Christ. He's a servant of Christ. He's in prison for his faith. But when I read this, he prays this, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. He's not praying to be released. He's not praying for better food in prison. He's not praying for better treatment in prison. He's asking God that God would open a door that they could share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and the beauty of his church. You and I in our day, we need to be praying for open doors. God, give us a door to share Jesus with somebody in a restaurant, in our family, in some other place. Give us a door to share Jesus, the gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection with someone who needs Jesus in his or her life. And God, give us an open door that we can show the beauty of your church, that the church is not boring, it's not irrelevant, it's not outdated. The church matters. 
Give us an open door to invite someone to join us in fellowship in our church so they can see the beauty of your family, your bride. Open doors. And then number three, oratory clarity. That's a big word. Had to start with those, so I had to find one that worked. So that was one that worked. And then he said this, you pray that God will open the door for us. And then that's what Paul said, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. What is Paul asking? Church at Colossae, would you pray for us? Because we need your partnership in prayer. Church in Colossae, would you pray that God will open the door for us to share the word and the beauty of his church? And then church at Colossae, will you pray for us that when God opens that door and we open our mouths, that we will be able to present the gospel and the beauty of his church in clear, understandable ways. It's very simple. Prayer makes a difference. I tell you one of the greatest compliments, and I thank God for your words of encouragement. I thank God for your notes of encouragement, emails, text messages, snail mail, whatever it may be. But one of the greatest sources of encouragement for me is when I'm standing at the steeple entrance or somewhere, a child, a student will come up and to say, I just want to say thank you for preaching the Bible. I understood the sermon today. That is a glorious compliment. And that's what Paul's asking. Just pray that I preach the message of the gospel and the church clearly clarity now I want us to bow together for a moment we're going to pray together Let's encourage us to practice what we just heard from God's word and here's what I want to encourage us in this room this morning I'm going to be standing down front Pastor Jackson Moser from Kirkwood is going to be down front Pastor Jorge Garcia from the Hispanic ministry is going to be down front Pastor John Lee from the Korean ministry is going to be down front. Church, we need you to pray for us that we'll be faithful to Jesus. Paul is not embarrassed or ashamed to say pray also for us. We need you to pray for us. And then church, I want to encourage us, all of our different campuses together this morning. I want to encourage us to pray for spiritual fruit. That we'd be willing to fill up this altar or come together this morning on this one day, significant, glorious day. And that we would just say as leaders, as members of this church, God, we want to see more people saved. We want to see more people baptized. We want to see greater levels of generosity. We want to see unity in our church. And God, let us be on fire for you. Fruit. And then I want to encourage us to pray that we would understand God's vision. The great commission, the great commandment. And that as a church, we would be totally surrendered to worshiping the Lord, loving other people, sharing Jesus, and making disciples. That we would stay focused. We keep the main thing, the main thing as a church. And then I want to encourage us to pray for unity in our church family. We can agree to disagree about a number of things, but still have unity in Christ and with one another.
pray for us. Pray for fruit. Pray for vision. Pray for unity. I want to say in the room and those who are watching online, if you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, we share the gospel in song and message throughout this service. Jesus is the one who will save you. He's the one who will change your life. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ right now in this room or right where you're watching. Just bend your heart and your eyes and your head and just say to him, Lord Jesus, I've sinned against you. But thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on a cross for me, giving your life, shedding your blood. Thank you for the victory over death and the grave. Jesus, you're alive. And right now, I surrender my life and ask you to be my Savior. He'll save you on this glorious day. You need to follow Christ in baptism. You need to join the fellowship of this church. I can't think of a greater Sunday than to join First Baptist Church on this 190th celebration of God's church here. Glorious day. And then this altar is open, church. Downtown, Kirkwood, Hispanic, Korean. We just seek the face of God and say, God, 190 years have been amazing. Father, we're praying for the next 10 to be the best days First Baptist Church has ever experienced in history. And then we will say, it's all for your glory and all the praise goes to Jesus. That way, when we all get to heaven, we're going to sing and shout the victory in him. And we'll do it together. Father, we love you. Thank you for just the power of prayer. Thank you for the teaching from Colossians 4. Paul asked people to pray for him. Thank you for the Colossian church that did so. And God, this morning for us or for fruit or for unity or vision, God, move in our midst. For any decisions that need to happen in this room or online, they can respond in this room in the invitation. We're going to be here. Our prayer teams are going to be here. Even online, they can respond to us on the platform they're watching. They can email us because we'd love to hear from them and minister to them. We're just asking for fruit right now, Father. Fruit that will glorify you. The praise goes to you. But God, move in this moment, in this invitation, we pray. And I pray these things in the powerful name of Jesus. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing. You respond. This altar is open to pray, make any decisions, and we seek the face of Jesus together. Let's sing together.